You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston, and with me I have Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello. And today we are going to pick up where we left off uh, in the first part of a 2023 of spurious morality, and we're going to talk about some of our favourite big finish releases uh, in the second half of this year. So July until um, now. Um. So it, it was a good second half of the year, actually. I've, I, I think that we've had some pretty decent stuff over the last few months, and it's going to be nice to sort of journey through everything from my summer listening. You know, I remember lying on a sun lounger next to a pool in Morocco listening to James Robert McCrimmon, um, and then I remember sitting on a freezing cold bus listening to In the Bleak Midwinter um, only a few weeks ago. Uh, so yes, it, it's it, it's been a, a varied six months. Um, so we'll we'll jump straight in. Um, obviously, there are spoilers for some pretty recent big Finnish releases, and you know we might refer back to other stuff. So there are going to be spoilers in here. So you have been warned. Here we are, time traveling in our TARDIS yet again. Um, insert sound effect here, possibly. Depends if I can be bothered or not. What uh, what uh, what does our control room look like? Um, I quite like the idea of it having a jukebox. Yeah, that that makes sense, doesn't it? That makes a lot of sense for all those big finished finals. Yes, yes, obviously. I'm I'm thinking like maybe. The eighties, like the the five doctors onwards control room. Actually, no, scrap that. The five doctors onwards control room, as it was done in Battlefield, but with a jukebox. Oh yes, nice, and, and microphones everywhere. Yes, that is what the official Spodcast TARDIS possibly looks like, with cardboard cutout Randalls on. The war. Should we talk about July releases now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so July. Um there were there were some there was some good stuff in July. I I like I say, I I have lovely memories of lying in thirty-five degree plus heat next to a swimming pool, drinking mojitos and listening to James Robert McCrimmon for the first time. Uh, which I believe you've gone for as pick of the month, Connor. So yeah, talk to us about James Robert McCrimmon. 
Yeah, so I, I really like these new Second Doctor adventures. I was a little bit apprehensive at the beginning um, with the changeover between you know, Fraser Hines into Michael Troughton. But I think Michael Troughton has absolutely knocked it out of the park and has really settled into uh, the role of the Doctor now. Um, and happily, we get uh, we very happily get Fraser Hines back as Jamie in this one, and it's really good to hear him again. Um, so yeah, it's a really strong set. We get the Doctor and Raven um, on this adventure in Edinburgh, reintroducing them to Jamie, um, and we hear a bit about what he has been up to in the intervening years um, since he left the Doctor, since he was forced out of the Doctor's company. Um, we get an incredible second story, um, which does something I love, where you get a little bit of a call forward, um, and you get the second Doctor versus some crinoids, um, or a crinoid, which which I love doing, where where you get Doctors meeting monsters out of order, and and earlier Doctors meeting monsters that first appeared later in the TV series. Um, I think that's a lot of fun to do it in the early adventures with the Sontarans as well. Um, so I really enjoyed that episode. I probably highlighted it as my favorite of of that little set. Um, but we also get a little bit of movement onwards in the form of um the Doctor and Jamie rebelling against Raven slightly. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens there because like she's not going to be gone forever. The influence of the Time Lords is not going to be out of there forever. Um, I I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. And I'm enjoying this little, it's not quite the take on season 6B that I think we know and love as Dr. Harry fans. It's a little bit different. Um, and we're getting our eyes open slightly to what it was actually like for them. Um, but I'm enjoying it and I'm very excited to see where this goes. I think we've said this a few times on the podcast, but the second Doctor, I think in particular, definitely needs to be upped to two sets a year to match the other Doctors, um, because we're still at the moment only getting one. Um, and it's I, I, I love this this little story arc that we're getting at the moment with them under the Time Lord's thumb, and I would like a little more of it. So uh, two box sets next year, please. I'm in total agreement with you. Um, I'm really enjoying this storyline. It's really interesting. It's an absolutely fantastic take on the second Doctor. It's a great concept. I'm really glad Jamie's back as well. That has added something. Uh, but there's just not enough of it. Like, three discs a year? No. We need more. We need a lot more. Um, and it, it, In fact, it should be, like, the biggest thing Big Finish have. It should be, like, six box sets a year. Should outdo Eccleston. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's a bit too much. But, no, honestly, um, yeah, I... Same with the first Doctor Adventures as well, actually. I would really, really like to see these go up to uh, two sets a year to match everything else. And um, I'm not entirely sure why the 60s is relegated to a, a single set each, each Doctor. But hopefully that's something moving forward will be slightly different. Um, my pick for July is... Well, it's Torchwood Among Us 3, but really... What it is, is all of Torchwood Among Us, which just happened to conclude in July. Um, and I, I I really enjoyed it. I think that it's, and we've said this on this podcast before, it's perhaps the least consistent of the three continuation Torchwood series we've had. But it's nevertheless an awful lot of fun. 
Uh, there's some great stories in there, really great ideas, and this fourth set where the whole team kind of come together and we kind of get a look at what Torchwood is going to be from now on, I guess, because you know we've we, we've lost a main character and quite a lot's happened, and uh, you know we've 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 established that there's something. Torchwood esque in Iceland where Gwen and Reese are living and so yeah, it's it's brought in a few more elements that seem to be fairly fairly consistently building up to something and I'm I'm certainly looking forward to us having more Torchwood moving forward, um, more continuing Torchwood. Uh it's been a good year for Torchwood actually. The the, the monthly range has expanded a bit as well as we said last time, you know, mentioning double and We've had the Ood trilogy over the last few months, and that's been very, very good. But um, yeah, Torchwood Among Us 3, an awful lot of fun, and I will be re-listening to all three continuation series sometime soon because they're, they're really, really great. They're really sort of good, good top-tier big finish. Um, and uh well we'll on the on the subject of concluding storylines uh, concluding sets let's let's travel forward to august so that's a speedy tardis sound effect there moving us from one to another august and one of uh my favorite releases of august and in fact it's been one of my favorite runs the last couple of years um it was purity unbound the six doctor adventures kind of concluding that Six Doctor Mel and Hebe arc that started out in Waterworlds, and I think all four sets have just been absolutely excellent. They've been very different, they've done very different things, but told one continuous almost story, um, or certainly had a very, very, very strong continuous arc moving through them. Um, it was a great conclusion, I'm really glad that it ended that way. Um, I mean, I've heaped tons and tons of praise on this run before, so it, I've got very little new to say about it. But yeah, it was definitely a favourite of mine. Uh, what about you, Connor? Did you enjoy Purity Unbound? I did. I love the whole series. Um, I think this was a very worthy conclusion to it. Um, so regular listen listeners um, will know that we just lose our mind you know we lost our minds over this at the time and we lose our minds over it every time it comes up because we thought it was an incredibly strong series and it was nice to get that little bit of an arc breathed into uh the sixth doctor adventures um i said uh at the time it felt very reminiscent of the sixth doctor's early run um mainly by virtue of reminding us in the form of evelyn who gets mentioned very often um but it felt good to have a doctor get a new companion again and have that stronger story arc um, that very deliberately plotted and um, well-planned arc, um, which I thought was the biggest thing going for the purity stories is that you did feel while you were listening to them like you were in safe hands and there was an intention and a, a very definite direction of travel for the series. Um, so I loved that. Um, really engaging listening. Have yet to listen to them through as a series, um, one after the other. I'm intending to do that very early in the new year, and I'm excited to hear it. Um, but I think this is one of the best big finish teams currently, you know, ongoing. 
um, and I'm really excited to hear more from them. I must say it was very, very surreal to watch uh, the giggle, Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, one of those 60th anniversary programs, um, and see Mel on screen with Hebe, but not Hebe, uh, in the form of Shirley. Um, I love seeing those two together. I'm delighted they got to work together on TV, Doctor Who, um, and I would love to see it again. Um, just a nice little bit of a big finish connection in the 60th anniversary as well. Yes, it it, it did. Uh, obviously, the same thing occurred to me. I thought it was great. Um, and I, I do hope that Mel and Shirley being on screen and part of Unit together doesn't stop us from having further Hebe adventures because obviously that set ended uh, with the storyline pretty definitively concluding but Hebe continuing to travel in the TARDIS and I was slightly concerned it, it would sort of end her travels but nope she's she's carried on in the TARDIS with the Doctor and Mel and there's another period at the end very end really of the Sixth Doctor's life that can still be explored so I'm excited for that to be picked up. might be a while before it's picked up. I'm fine with it being a few years, but I hope we don't lose this TARDIS team. Um, do you have another pick from August? Yes, I really enjoyed this year's Ninth Doctor selection. Um, well, well, I'd only, I only remember this earlier on, actually, but we've had a little bit of a break in the Ninth Doctor this year as well. Um for the first time since he came back in 2021 and I'm really feeling it. I'm really missing his adventures at the moment and I really hope we'll get to the new ones fairly soon. Um, but we got travel in hope as well. Um, the highlight of which surely has to be the ninth doctor and Alpha Centauri. I don't think anyone could have predicted that that would happen whenever it was announced that Christopher Eccleston was going to come back and play the ninth doctor again. Um, but uh, here we are. We have uh, a Ninth Doctor meets Alpha Centauri um, very early on in Alpha's life. And I said this at the time, but I really like that this was an Alpha Centauri story and not a Peladon story. Although it would be wonderful to get more of those as well. Um, but I really enjoyed that. Um, it was nice to hear the Ninth Doctor up with a familiar character um, in the way we have had him meet Liv and the Brigadier as well. I think Alpha Centauri is a very worthy addition to that lineup. I think that Alpha Centauri, across everything, TV, Big Finish, whatever, just hasn't had enough. I think they're such a great character, and I think that there's uh, there's more that can be done with them than you know just Peladon, which is kind of what we got here. It was nice to explore that, so... I certainly hope there's more of that sort of thing moving forward. Yeah. Um, let's let's deploy the the TARDIS sound effect again. Uh, we're we're travelling through time in our battlefield TARDIS with the jukebox. And it's just like that, September. Um a month where does it have a does it right does it have a coffee machine? Um, no, no coffee machine. Are those banned on TARDIS? Let's nice face it, you you'd spill coffee on the console straight away. <laughs> oh no, I've done it again. Like we'd <laughs> we'd end up we'd end up at the end of the edge of the universe, and you know you'd you'd 
you wouldn't even use salt to defeat a villain. You'd just knock the salt over after you'd knock the coffee over. Who would do a silly? Who would do a silly thing like that? I, I have no idea at all. Um, but I think we can all agree that the last thing we need are like two of us, two of each of us, more of yeah, us. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not do that. I couldn't keep up with the editing. Um, I was going to say you can edit us into the right and left channels. Oh, that that would be terrifying and time consuming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, we briefly stopped off at the end of the universe and chucked a bit of salt about, and now we've arrived in September, where um, my ongoing and forever will be favourite sort of branch of big finish got this year's release uh gallifrey or gallifrey war room maneuvers which i just thought was an excellent set it's it's actually what i want from my gallifrey uh particularly now that gallifrey is well into the time war we got kind of political machinations which is what gallifrey is famous for really really well done in a time war setting and there was a nice little arc running through the set, the wider arcs uh, running through the whole series. And Romana's uh, absence is still very much felt and it's sort of held over Leela, you know, do as you're told or Romana gets it and how Leela just puts herself through absolute time or hell because of that threat is just, it's amazing. Um, yeah, another really, really good set, another... Great group of stories, and Narvin's back properly in this one as well. He was kind of in one episode of the first set. He's properly in this one. He's back to being regular in every episode, Narvin, as he should be. Um, what about you? What was your September pick? I, I think I said this in the last episode, but I'm a huge fan of the Fifth Doctor adventures this year. I thought very, very understated but brilliant um i can't remember if that's quite the turn of phrase i use but it's the turn of phrase i'm going to use this time um we have a pursuit of the night jar and resistor um i think it's probably fair to say that pursuit of the night jar is the highlight here i think it was incredible um very very personal and intimate story um just a wonderful little bit of like proper character drama um in the fifth doctor's era and it's it's one again that i've picked to do my little end of year lineup of favorite stories it's one of the ones that's going to be in my last week of listening for 2023 and um, which is the highest honor i can bestow as a big finished listener <laughs> um, so that's going very very easily and very happily to pursuit of the night jar but i really loved resistor as well um I think this has been described as a slightly more cynical take on Ark of Infinity, dropping the uh, Fifth Doctor, Nissa and Tegan into a, a European country in their contemporary time. Um, but this time it's a little further east. It's um, sort of a little more behind the Iron Curtain than uh, Amsterdam. And again, it's just really, really good. I'm actually really looking forward to doing these two sets back to back as well just to do a little series of them um i actually did 40 back to back fairly uh recently as well and thought it was a really strong little run um whenever you're listening to it and you're getting the answers in fairly quick succession 
Um, like my favourite thing about Resistor is the bit where the Fifth Doctor gets up to replace the drummer in the band and turns out to be quite good. Uh, uh, it's not something you'd expect of the Fifth Doctor, uh, but it's, again, it's just a nice little moment. <laughs> I, I, I really like that. Um, so yeah, really strong set, and I just love the Fifth Doctor. I love the Fifth Doctor's era, and I love getting to hear these characters again. Um, I completely agree with what you said about 40, actually. Um, I went back and did it all as one series this year, and it really benefited from me hearing it all together. Because I think, was it was it one episode, sorry, one box set in January and one box set in September or something like that? Was yeah, they were really gap. far apart. And actually, I think Auton Infinity requires you to have heard the previous two stories pretty soon beforehand to fully appreciate what's going on. Uh, but yeah, pretty much. it certainly went up. I mean, I, I didn't dislike it before, but it certainly went up in my estimations uh, second time round. Um, and it's always nice when that happens. As for this year's Fifth Doctor offerings, yeah, it's it's all been great. We've had two very good sets. I think this was the strongest set of the two. Um, but yeah, just like some really, really good stories, some really interesting stuff. And I kind of hope we do get some kind of arc for the Fifth Doctor at some point down the line. But what we've had this year, just sort of nice and standalone and in the early part of season 20, it's worked really, really well for me. Uh, I did particularly enjoy Pursuit of the Nightjar and... You know, it was a very small cast. It was a four-parter carried by four people. And it's been a while, I think, since we had something that really sort of nice and slow-paced from Big Finish. It was a proper good character piece. And I think that, yes, we have had plenty of early season 20 character pieces before we had the entire Mark arc. Um, which was very, very character-focused, and there was a lot of stuff going on in that that investigated the relationships between the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa and Tegan in the aftermath of Earthshock. But um, Pursuit of the Nightjar kind of, it lifted away a little bit of that baggage and actually let them kind of be characters together without the ghost of Adric hanging over them, and I don't think we've had a lot of that. I think the obvious go-to in that era is let's all feel bad about Adric and actually let's just talk to each other in a different context, in a normal context, um, I thought was was quite nice and it was full of brilliant Tegan and Nissa moments as well. Uh, so yeah, very, very good story, definitely a standout of the year. I'm a big, big fan of stories that I was going to say don't necessarily have a villain. There is a wee bit of a villain here in this one. Um, but it's stories that you know where characters are trapped in space and they're sort of up against the elements rather than any malicious action. Um, there's a really great... It's a very short game, um, but I've played it on PlayStation. I think it's PlayStation exclusive. Can't quite remember. It's called Observation. It's only a couple of hours long. It's, it's, it's very short. Um, it's not going to keep you occupied for days. It's a real love letter to stuff like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, just your character's on a space station. It's suddenly, you know, something goes wrong. They're trapped. Um, and they have to sort of try and keep themselves alive against the hostile environment of space. I think Pursuit of the Nightjar really feels like that, where they're trying to keep this rackety old ship going. 
um, and there's this sort of impending threat in the form of the other ship uh, as well. So very, very strong. Love that sort of story. Yeah, it's it's certainly not the first time Big Finish has done something like that, but it's it still feels like a nice rare treat when it does. Um, and I'm I'm really glad that we did just get this four episodes of you know slower paced character stuff, which which was very enjoyable, very well written, very well done, performed, and everything. Let's move on to October then. Um, and October had some pretty good stuff, but I think the the standout has to be uh, the third Doctor Adventures, Intelligence for War, where we got a pretty brilliant third Doctor season seven, seven-parter, and it gave us a little bit more about Liz. There was some really good Liz material in there, and it's starting to feel now like we've actually got a, a decent set of Liz stuff from Big Finish. And I'm really glad that we're doing proper seven-parters. Um, you know, we are sticking to that season seven format. Um, it's It was just really, really enjoyable. And it, it's it really did feel as though it could have just jumped out of that season. It could have been done in 1970 and it would have been nice and believable and you know, thoroughly good unit story. Um, what about you, Connor? Was was your standout intelligence for war? Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I, I thought uh, I, I'm really enjoying these little seven-parter stories that they're doing for the third Doctor's era. Um, and I'm loving that they're expanding on season seven. Um, I think I would probably name Torchwood Odyssey as my favourite from this month, though, because I love... Um, the Satan Planet and the Impossible, or the Satan Pit and the Impossible Planet. Um, I think they're probably my two favourite Tenth Doctor episodes, and a big reason and why I love them is um, it's Ida Scott, really. It's Ida Scott and the other characters from that station. And we bring back Ida. Um, her her actress has been in a few things. She's Levchenko's sister. She was in the Out of Time stories with David Tennant. Um, but this is the first time she's back playing Ida again. I thought Ida was one of the best companion that got away characters that we've ever had. Um, so I, I think that's, I, I think it's great that she's back and the other characters are back as well. No offense, Zachary back before as well. And it's nice to get a wee bit of a sequel to that story. Um, or a, a, a spiritual sequel to that story, uh, in the form of, uh, another futuristic Torchwood detective. Story, I think that's a great, a really great vibe to go for. Um, but Torchwood obviously is wonderful. It expands on Ida. We get to see her, you know, get to meet her family, um, get a bit more about her background. Um, I just think it's a great idea to project forward into this era of Torchwood and make use of those characters. Um, and it's very, very accessible for someone like me who's not got the most experience with Torchwood, but is aware of them or is very aware of them through Doctor Who. And um, it's nice to visit this era, uh, which sort of predates the Torchwood TV show in terms of real world uh, chronology. Uh, this, this came out, you know, well before Torchwood TV series was a thing. These were probably some of the first Torchwood characters we met. Um, so it's it's very cool to hear them again. I've never actually been the biggest fan of Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. I don't think it's a bad story, but it it doesn't have this sort of highlight of series two, highlight of 
David Tennant's era status for me. It's just a two-parter that ha- you know that's there. Um, however, I do have to completely agree with you that the one thing that really made it made it was such a really good set of guest characters. Um, and I, I'm glad that a few of them got away. In some ways, I kind of wish a few more would survive. Um, was the security guy, was he Mr. Jefferson? Was he? Yeah, I think he was done in, in the ventilation. He was, Chaff, yeah. Again, he was a great character. He got, oh, he didn't get ooded. He suffocated before he got ooded in the ventilation shaft. And I kind of wish, yes, yes. I kind of wish that from a big finish point of view, he'd have survived because I think he'd have been an interesting character to kind of revisit and could always do him before the Satan pet. We could. Yes. That's definitely an option. Hint to hint, 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 big finish. Um I've I've enjoyed the trilogy. Let's just take a moment actually to just talk about the, the Torchwood Ood trilogy. I know, you know, um and I personally I think that the highlight of it was Who Done It. Uh not only is it probably the best named anything Big Finish have ever done. Um, I really like that. As you say, it was a spiritual sequel to uh, the the previous uh, Zachary Cross Flane story. And it brought back, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of his AI companion. Is it Chloe? I think so. Yep. Uh, It brought back, you know, a pretty interesting character, actually. You know, we're equal partners until he wipes my memory, which he does quite often. Uh, It's it's a really interesting sort of ethical little aside. Um, And obviously, you know, Chloe can be a little bit manipulative and not 100% trustworthy, should we say. Um, It's a really interesting dynamic, and I hope we get more of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's this this little Ood trilogy, which did start with Odyssey, has has been pretty good. It's been a nice little sidestep, and I hope we do get more from these characters. I kind of hope that these three stories have been a bit of a backdoor pilot for, you know, Torchwood in the future or whatever it is. It'll have a better name than that. I hope it has a better name than that. But yeah, Torchwood 43rd century type thing, um, because I think that, there's a lot that can be done with these characters. I think that's that concept has been proved. Um, and like you say, Ida's great and should have been a companion, definitely a companion that got away. Um, I can't think of anybody before that in New Who, except maybe Linda with a Y, obviously. Yeah, you could, you could argue there was Adam... But he sort of got his chance, and and it's a different it's a different dynamic there. He got his chance and ruined it. Um, yeah, he's the yeah. companion that got sent away. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, also, let's. I'm going to give a very quick honourable mention to uh, the union as well, which was the concluding part of Once and Future, uh, the sort of sixtieth anniversary celebratory series from Big Finish, which it did something different. It played with the concept of regeneration, which, you know, the giggle ended up doing. So we got that on the telly um, the telly anniversary special anyway. I was going to say, there's a lot about this year. (laughs) There's a lot of piddling around with the concept of regeneration. And I quite like the degeneration concept. I quite like how 
it ended up being tied to the Union, who is a sort of future incarnation of the Eleven and, you know, other numbered Time Lords, uh, brilliantly played by Maureen O'Brien, who has definitely become the original companion actor to also do loads and loads of amazing other character stuff with Big Finish as well. Um, just that the whole thing was quite well done. I really liked that conclusion. I liked the bouncing between Doctors. It's kind of a shame the Eighth Doctor didn't get a release sort of dedicated to just him like all the other Doctors did. We got a good chunk of Eighth Doctor, but then he kept bouncing between Fourth and other Doctors as well. But yeah, I liked the idea of the Union. I liked the idea of Degeneration um, and thought it was a pretty good conclusion to that run. It's one of those ones where I've heard each story once and I will do another run through of them all back to back at some stage. I'll probably not do that until just before the coda comes out. Um, I did feel a little bit put out that Paul McGann was slightly shortchanged and that he keeps in this one, it's even on the cover, he keeps turning into Tom Baker throughout it and then uh, it eventually devolves into all of them. Um, Becomes a free-for-all. Very much so. Um, but I thought I thought it was I thought it was good and proper and right that Carol Ann Ford was uh, in this and was a fairly major part of this. Uh, I was delighted to hear it's been a wee while since we heard uh, Carol Ann Ford uh, do you know on you know at big finish and was delighted to hear her again. And I liked that they went for the you know the Doctor's family like his his wife and his granddaughter here. Um, I liked that as well. So that was that was that was a big positive for the union. I I think I'll be joining you in the sort of coda re-listen next year. Um, I I actually think, again, it will probably be another run that benefits from being heard close together because all the stories felt very, very, very isolated coming out a month apart. And I think actually having them as a chunk might give them a consistency that uh, my first listen didn't have and I may end up enjoying it a little bit more. I was just gonna, here's here's a little interesting question for you. What are your predictions for the coda? What do you think will happen in the coda? Who do you think will be in the coda? Um, I reckon it is going to be an hour long solo piece performed by Peter Capaldi. <laughs> we should be so lucky. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. What do I think it's going to be? Um, I mean, I, I I do kind of wonder, like, have Big Finish got another Doctor? How, or is this going to be Big Finish's introduction of Jodie Whittaker? Or, you know, is, is there going to be there's something else there? Because we've covered all the Doctors that we expected it to cover. Um, you know, one, two... One, two, was it 11 or 12? Did did Dubman do 12 as well? He definitely did 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've, we've had Doctors 1 to 12 completely covered by it. They, they all popped up in some way, shape or form. So is it going to have nothing to do with the Doctor and is it going to be like a master dealing with degeneration thing? Is it going to be a bit of a masterful type Missy Jacoby sort of thing? Um. Or is it 
and I'm sort of I'm really hesitant about actually committing to this in any kind of recording. But could it be Jodie Whittaker? I, w- I, w- I would love it to be. I don't think it will be. Um, certainly not for this. Although I, 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 I really want to hear her do some big finish soon. I, I would love to hear more of her, Doctor. Yeah. See, I'm fairly sure, and I might be, I might be misquoting, I might be re- misrepresenting this. I'm fairly sure that Big Finish said that the reason for the coda being so delayed was to, it was too similar to something that was going to happen in the 60th anniversary episodes. And now that we're past the 60th, we are in theory, or we should in theory, be able to work out what that was because we now know everything about the 60th because we've seen it. It's an adaptation um, of the Star Beast. Never. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? So it could be something like that. Maybe the toy makers in it. Maybe it involves two doctors regenerating into two or something like that. Um, I I think it's probably going to be the Joe Martin one. Um, I imagine it's going to be a, a fugitive doctor episode added at the last minute once they got her. Um, but who's to know? I hope we hear. I hope we hear and hope we find out fairly soon. Yep, fingers crossed there will be something something given to us, leaked, mentioned, hinted at, whatever. Um, and it will be interesting to see kind of what it is. It, it's, it's shrouded in mystery, certainly. Uh, and I am looking forward to listening to it immediately after the rest of the series. Um, so shall we, shall we head on to November? Yes, let's. Um, and November was fairly low key in terms of Doctor Who releases. I do wonder if there'd, there'd been a bit of a a grumpy now now from Cardiff. You know, don't get in the way of our our big telly anniversary. Um. But what we did get was a really, really good Warmaster set, uh, Rogue Encounters. And the episode from Rogue Encounters that I liked the most, uh, probably not a big surprise to anyone, uh, the Sublime Port, which was the one where the Warmaster met uh, Billis off of Torchwood. And um, it was just so good to see Billis meet a Time Lord or a character that's sort of bigger than Torchwood anyway, uh, which we've not had before. And the Master was absolutely bloody terrified of him. And it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I don't think we've ever properly explored just what Billis is. He's just kind of turned up, been a bit of a a nasty bloke and then disappeared again. Um, so actually finding out what he was, and this this story kind of dropped it very casually, actually, just kind of explained what Billis was, what his role in the universe was. Um, and it, it 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 was it was sort of nicely done. Um and it was good to have that sort of half an episode of the Warmaster being absolutely terrified. Uh it was a real sort of nice twist, doing something a bit different with the character. Uh, the rest of the set was absolutely brilliant as well. Uh, you know, um, Alone, which was, wasn't was really a Warmaster episode. It was a Professor Yana episode. Um, absolutely beautifully done. Really, really strong stuff. And I'm glad that they are 
They're still finding new things to do with the Warmaster 10 sets in. The character still feels interesting and a Warmaster set is still something to look forward to. I'm not going to say the entire run's been perfect, you know, there's, there have been the odd release that I've enjoyed a little bit less than others, but generally the Warmaster is one of Big Finish's stronger stronger strands now. Um, you know, it's Derek Jacobi doing Big Finish, it's absolutely brilliant. I thought this was a really strong set. Um, I think the last few Warmaster sets, uh, it's great that you can point and say they keep knocking it out of the park with these. Um, and it's hard to pin down. So, uh, you know, a favourite episode. I, I I enjoyed the Sublime Port, but I'm not as exposed to Bellis um, as other people will be. And I don't know him just as well. Um, I'd probably pin down either Manhunt or Alone as the best. I think it probably has to be Alone because it's doing something a little bit different. You're getting Professor Yana again, and it's sort of expanding on his character and his history, um, which was fantastic. So that was that was, that was great to hear Derek Jacobi doing something a little bit different and getting Yana's history expanded on. I think they did a... me. I think they did a great job of um, sort of capturing the spirit of Utopia and the... Uh, tone of Utopia, but again, expanding on it to um, you, you know make that universe feel slightly larger than it appeared on screen because it it, it 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 was one world, one planet, um, and a handful of characters really, um, or a handful of named characters with lines. But um, I think alone expands out on that, makes it feel a lot bigger, um, and and gives Yana a, 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 an interesting little story to follow through and inject some of that Warmaster evilness into it, you know, in the form of the master's voice coming out of the watch. So that was and 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 sort of souring Yana's relationship with, with his friend. So that was great. I, I I would probably mark it as the highlight, but I really enjoyed Manhunt as well. Felt cool to go and play in sort of X Files territory. Um I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot actually. I really liked it as well. It was it was another great release and this time last year, we were sat here talking about how great Escape from Reality was. You know, it's there seemed to be a, a theme of winter Warmaster releases just being really, really top notch stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was definitely a good one. Um, I'm going to give an honourable mention to uh, The Chimes, which was a Charles Dickens adaptation. Uh, an adaptation of a Charles Dickens Christmas story, just probably not the one you were expecting. Um, really, really good stuff, really enjoyable. Uh, it was uh, written by, or adapted, I should say, it was written by Charles Dickens, I've said that. It was adapted by uh, Jonathan Morris, did an absolutely great job. It's got a great cast, and it was it was a nice little sort of surprise last-minute addition to Big Finish's November calendar uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought there was it was nice to explore a lesser known Dickens story, uh, and it's still a Christmassy one. It's still got all the Dickens trappings. It's kind of a it it's definitely sort of I guess exists in the same universe as a Christmas Carol. I suppose is the best way of describing it. Um, yeah, really good, really good little adaptation. So I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got that sudden release. Um, and we've kind of the other highlight of November. I think we're going to merge with December and do it all as one thing. So there we go. Let's time travel. Here we are, December. Um, 
And let's talk about both Eighth Doctor Adventures releases from this year. So Audacity and In the Bleak Midwinter. Um, and I, I'm still amazed how much I love Eighth Doctor stuff from Big Finished. I'm still amazed at how consistently brilliant it is. Like it's it's such a strong era. You can start at um you can start at Storm Warning, you can listen straight through to where we are now, and it's just all absolutely great. Uh, I love McGann. I love the fact that McGann's had a proper era, numerous proper eras at this point, and this year's sets definitely didn't disappoint, and it was nice to have the surprise of Charlie coming back and what we were listening to actually being set in the earlier days of Eighth Doctor and um, so yeah, talk to us about audacity and in the bleak midwinter, Connor. Yeah, the the eighth Doctor of Big Finish is an interesting one because he's the one Doctor who, over the years, has you know constantly re, you know been reinvented to match the times. Um, you know, starting off in the classic mold, switching up into a sort of two thousand and five. It's almost sort of like a hybrid because it's the stories are very strongly themed as two thousand and five plus with a very rose-like companion in Lucy Miller. Um, but the Doctor still remained that sort of classic self, still had the classic costume and so on. Um, and then you move up into the Livchenka era. Um, I think it's probably fair to call it the Livchenka era. Um, and he goes fully into the new series then, just loses all the classic trappings um, and new costume, new artwork, just a totally new feeling, tone and direction for the series. Um uh, which they have now, you know, broken from again um, and gone back. So we've, we've jumped back into the Charlie Pollard era, although it's not immediately clear that it is the Charlie Pollard era. Um, it's the Audacity era to begin with. Um, and Audacity's brilliant. Jay Griffiths is fantastic. Um, brilliant chemistry with Paul McGann. Brilliant character. Was I don't know if it was written specifically for Jay Griffiths, but she inhabits the character so wonderfully and I don't think anyone else could have played her um, uh, and there hasn't been a bad story the devouring is a great opener it beds the you know the doctor and audacity in with one another very well you get uh the last great cyber war it's the first time the eighth doctor has met the cybermen since the silver turk was well over 10 years ago now um so a bit of a rematch was well overdue and i enjoyed hearing this um goes into the it, it feels like a bit of a lucy you know lucy miller era throwback by uh playing about in the territory of a fourth doctor story um in revenge of the cybermen um but it gives us a little bit of history builds up shows us how the, that state of play in revenge of the cybermen came to be um and i think did it very very well very interesting to hear the vogans being uh, expanded on uh in the way they were in this story but then we get to the end of that and we get the big shock reveal that, yes, Charlie Pollard is back. Um, and we're back into that little gap that they've, they're, you know, carved out for themselves between the first and second series of the Eighth Doctor stories with Charlie. Um, I thought it was great, actually. That's the empty man, I think, plays about and sort of fits into the Charlie era arc. Um, you know, about the stuff about her being you know, about her, how she should have been dead and died on the R101 and shouldn't have survived, etc., etc. So I like that they tied into that arc. Um, I think it will make it a lot more cohesive if you're listening through chronologically. Um, 
I must admit that I'm still slightly in two minds about revisiting an early era like this while the Levchenka and uh, Helen Sinclair stories remain unresolved. I, I like that they're still out there. I want to hear more from them. But um, I, I would like, I think, to hear them resolved before pivoting away to something like this. Um, and now we have Charlie on Audacity ongoing as well. Um, I, what I think helps it is that Audacity is here and adds something of a new element that we are not just back in plain old Ace Doctor and Charlie stories. We're getting the brilliant pairing of McGann and uh, Fisher again, but with this new interesting element added in the form of Audacity and Jay Griffiths. Um, it's just, it's wonderful um, to hear the characters again, hearing them with this new character. I always love when you get an established TARDIS crew like this and a new character just gets dropped into it because it freshens up the whole dynamic and... Um, just makes it all feel nice and shiny and new, um, but we're still getting that nice little warm, nostalgic Ace Doctor and Charlie material as well. So I think this is working really well. Um, and I think it's brilliant that we've had a Christmas box set um, from the Ace Doctor because I think it's fair to say for a lot of Big Finish fans, the, the Chimes of Midnight is an indispensable part of Christmas. And I like that we're playing in that territory again uh, with the Doctor and Charlie and Audacity and a whole Christmas box set. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely fair to say that both sets have worked exceptionally well. They've been really, really fun. Um, dipping into Christmas in that second set was absolutely great. And having like a, being in Christmas was essentially the the bad wolf of that set, the, the kind of thread that ran through it for a reason, for a plot reason. Um, and I, I have to admit, I really enjoyed that. Um, like you, sort of carrying on with not necessarily Liv and Helen, but certainly Helen is on my uh, wish list. You know, the, the end point there is Liv returning to modern day Earth at the end of Stranded 4. But Helen's still travelling with the Eighth Doctor, so far as we know. And I'd quite like... I'd quite like there to be, you know, Eighth Doctor and Helen Solo or maybe even stick another companion in, you know, sort of really, really shake up that uh, particular dynamic. Um, I think there's plenty that can be done there and it'll be interesting to see, you know, as and when it's all picked up, where that will go. Maybe it'll be a while before we get there, but that's definitely on the wish list. Um, going to... Not going about it because you've already talked about it, but um, Great Cyber War, what a fantastic story. Really, really solid two-parter um, that, you know, I wasn't entirely sure. I was like, do we really need the Eighth Doctor adventuring into Revenge of the Cybermen territory? And, well, when I listened to it, it turned out we did. It was fantastic. It, it took a concept that maybe actually wasn't all that particularly exciting on paper and did something really good with it. Um, and it sort of gave us explanations as to why the Revenge Cybermen are a bit emotional and designed differently to the others and taught differently and allergic to gold, and it, it just gave us a little bit more about that, and it explained all of that, and it felt perfectly organic to the story. You know, things that absolutely weren't a mystery in Revenge of the Cybermen were made a mystery in this, and it paid off really, really well. So, yeah, what a great couple of releases and um, a nice sort of beginning of the end of the year, I guess. Um, so, yeah, happy to have In the Bleakwood Midwinter as my December pick. And that's it. We've got to the end of the year. We've done it. 
which is good because our our TARDIS set with the the drapes and the oh, the, no, it's all, it's all uh, down. circular right. cut, yeah, it's all fallen down. That's it. Oh, oh I've just um, been bumped on the head by a rogue Randall. It, it just means that we're going to have to get a new console room out of next season's budget, which might leave room for not much else. Um, <laughs> like Spodcast season three is going to be a new TARDIS console room, and everything else is going to be done like Underworld. Is it going to be uh, all white and shiny and big? Um, no, definitely not. But but there might be two, one of them with a jukebox. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Conning, there's definitely not the same, it's not the same set at all. No, no. It's two totally um, different TARDISes. Yep. No, as tempting as it is to send you off in your own TARDIS, I, I, I'm actually going to keep you around for more podcasting. I think. Oh, good. Oh, there's. Oh, he's taking the pre forty five back. Hooray! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back on the team. Uh... Okay. Well, that that's always <laughs> always good to finish on a strong joke. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any anticipated releases for next year? Just before we do. Um. So we've, um, oh, loads, all sorts. Uh, so we've obviously talked, talked Coda already, uh, as it's shrouded in mystery. I'm very, very interested as to what it's going to turn out to be. Uh, I am sort of aware that I'm setting myself up there for disappointment, though, and it's actually just another David Tennant story. Um, however, we've got a few good Santaran stories on the way. We've got Santarans versus Rutans and. Um, Kerry's is back in that, which I honestly didn't ever expect to see. Uh, I couldn't believe that when they announced Steve was back. I'm delighted. I'm I really delighted. But I, it, it feels like a fever dream. Um, what, else, what else do we know about? Uh, obviously, conclusion of 11th Doctor and Valerie, um, and the Paradigm Daleks are going to be in that. Uh, and there are some very, 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 very sort of fan baity story titles in there so we'll see what happens i'm i'm, I'm ex- i am excited for those i'm really excited for those i think um the paradigm daleks are well overdue i don't know if this will be a conclusion to their tv story arc or something else entirely but um they're well overdue in appearance full stop at big finish um yes. so that's exciting um and you know we've got more missy coming as well we've got more Torchwood Soho, that's always consistently brilliant. Uh, We've got the fourth Doctor with Harry Sullivan and Naomi and we've heard where that ends, but certainly not where it begins, so that's coming up. Um, Yeah, uh, just more of it. Sadly, still only one's first Doctor and second Doctor set. Hopefully that's something that can be rectified uh gallifrey war room's going to continue um yeah there's loads loads and loads over the next year that i'm really looking forward to i just think that we, we've got a nice consistency um with an awful lot now with many ranges doctor who's finally coming to my neck of the woods they're finally doing a doctor who northern ireland story with the uh, giants causeway which oh, i'm very excited that. for I hope it ends up being a Matrix projection or something like that, just to disappoint <laughs> you again. That was such a cop-out. But yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of stuff I've forgotten about. I didn't realise they'd announced just so much for the early part of next year. Thunderbirds is coming back. I'm excited for that. 
Um, you've got the Eleventh Doctor stuff. The Ninth Doctor's coming back. Um, they're finally doing another Eighth Doctor and uh, uh, Eric Roberts Master set um, with the Axons for some reason. And uh, you've got the Third Doctor and Sarah in another six-parter, which seems to be a, a like a the concluding part of a trilogy that also has the TV something in space stories uh, as part of it. So it seems to be like a, a conclusion to that little trilogy um, or what is now a trilogy with this story. So I'm excited for those. That a trilogy 50 years in the making. <laughs> and classic Doctor Who news is back as well in March. Um, that set's oh, been yes. a long time since it was announced and I'm really excited to hear it. Um, it's got silence in, hasn't it? It does, it does. It has the seventh and yes. eighth Doctors versus the Silence. Uh, which, I mean, seven versus Silence, that's definitely an interesting premise just to start with. So, yeah, roll on 2024 and all the big finish that it brings us. Absolutely, can't wait. Indeed. Uh, but we'll we'll wrap up 2023 now. We'll... Um, We'll leave it without our knackered TARDIS. We're going to have to walk into 2024. I know, the long way around or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've stretched I've stretched <laughs> the joke as far as I can, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, yep, yeah, uh, I will say thank you very much for joining me on this journey back through, forward through 2023, going through each month and picking out our best big finish releases, Connor. So thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll be back for more spodcasting. Um, oh, oh, you see, I was going to say, and we're back for more spodcasting next year, but that's kind of like one of those people who at 7pm on the 31st of December go, <laughs> see you next year. Um, and I'm not going to... wasting the day if you don't make that joke. It's a waste of a New Year's Eve if you don't make that joke. Um, oh, the I'll P45's take you back there it is again. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So Spodcast will be back with an exciting new lineup next year. <laughs> I'm not even replacing you, I'm recasting you. I'm getting Jacob Dubman on as a guest and he's going to play you. So um, we will be back for more Spodcasting in the very near future, which may just happen to be a different year to the one in which this episode is released, because I am not doing the see you next year joke. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Thank you. See you next year.